Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the NFNL podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Sacco, and we have some great content coming up for you in today's episode. We'll chat to the director of the Pat Cronin Foundation, Matt Cronin, on the eve of the NFNL celebrating Pat Cronin Foundation round. We'll also chat to Mernda women's senior coach Chris Hoisted following his side's 4-1 start to the year. And we'll also chat with Josh Ward and review and preview all of the senior men's and women's action across the previous weekend. But before we get to that preview, we'll head straight now to our chat with the director of the Pat Cronin Foundation now in Matt Cronin. Now joining us on the NFNL podcast on the eve of the Pat Cronin Foundation round in the NFNL is the Pat Cronin Foundation founder, Matt Cronin. Matt, really appreciate you coming on and, and giving us a bit of your time today. Thanks, Nicholas. Really appreciate it as well. Talk, I guess, a bit about what this week entails from a Pat Cronin Foundation point of view. Of course, you know, it's a very important round for everybody involved here at the NFNL and you know it's it's always a great opportunity to bring awareness and, and education about the coward punch but from a foundation point of view um, what does the week entail and, and, and what type of messages are you looking to spread throughout the week? Yeah look really important for us in terms of I guess the origins of the foundation you know it's it's now a bit over six years ago since um, Pat was taken away from us by you know a cowardly act of violence and, you know, if I think back to that time, um, some people say it gets easier with the passage of time, but I don't think it does, to be honest. Um, you know, significant things like anniversaries, birthdays and so on, they all just end up, um, you know, I think it just gets highlighted and exaggerated and magnified even more as time goes on. But if I do think back to the very early days, you know, the support that we had from the NFNL community was just incredible. You know, from uh, the Pat, uh, Pat's Primary School in Eltham there, which is Our Ladies on the on the corner there of Dudley Street and Main Main Road, you know, there was a uh, message put up there, um, you know, from the NFNL community where all, all these footy socks were um, gathered together, and you know, a message was put up on the fence there to end the coward punch. And that, that was an incredible show of support and, and was organised, you know, so quickly. You know, we came around the corner one day and said, have a look at that, look, look at that message. And, you know, I think just the way that the whole NFNL community sort of rallied behind us as a family, um, but, but more broadly, you know, I, I guess just with the message to say, look, you know, as a community, we just don't stand for this sort of violence. You, you spoke a bit about, I guess, you know, the, the initial set up of the foundation just over six years ago i guess reflecting on it in more of a positive light how far the foundation has come since that time and, and what you've been able to build from that and i guess also you know an update i guess on how things have been in, in the last 12 months from a from a foundation point of view yeah look the, the foundation no doubt has just gone from strength to strength uh the last couple of years haven't been great for anyone you know with you know the COVID interruptions and and the like but uh you know we we were all set perhaps back in 2020 to really expand in terms of our education um offerings uh, particularly through high schools and you know community groups sporting clubs etc and then COVID came along and, and really put paid to that. Uh, last year, 
started off really well and then again we went into lockdown so you know i'm looking here at the moment in at, you know, what i call the pat cronin foundation uh, foundation dashboard and it's showing here at the moment that we've got 238 school bookings um we've already wow. held we've already held 112 presentations this year already and you know we're, we're well on track to get to our target of 400 last year we did 137 so to get to 400 this year you know as i said we've all, or, or almost already surpassed the number of presentations for the whole year um already um but we're well and truly on track to get to 400 school presentations which is amazing um, and even in Clubland, you know, we set ourselves a target of 100 presentations and we're, we're currently sitting at 46 bookings. So I guess my call out to the NFNL community there would be if you haven't already got a booking, you know, to get us to come out and, and provide a fully funded presentation, please, you know, jump jump online, you go to our website, Pat Cronin Foundation, just Google search it and then send us an, you know, send us a request to, to come out and, you know, book a time to come and, and talk to your club everywhere we go nicholas the message is um so well received and it, it's amazing that you know here we are six years down the track and yet pat's story is equally as strong today as it ever was you know back in the day so you know we need everyone's support we've you know we're trying to get to as many people as possible we've you know, we've staffed up, we've got extra presenters on, you know, who are ready to go. All we need is, uh, you know, that email request, that phone call, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll make a time that's going to suit. And you can also book through the NFNL website as well with articles we've posted up throughout yes, the week. You can email info at patcronenfoundation.org.au to, to get all the info you need to set up, as, as you say, a fully funded BWISE presentation. And, you know, I've even personally heard the impact that's had on so many people as well. And um, and, and just, again, the message and awareness that, that the whole foundation is trying to spread. Um, it, it, it's a credit to all the work that you guys do. Also, what's been great to see in the last few years in Pat Cronin Foundation Round has been the, the yellow wristbands and the beanies that, that you guys have been able to produce and, and to see them being worn by so many people around the local community has been fantastic. And I'm sure there's no doubt that this year they'll continue to be bigger and better. Yep, yep, for sure. Look, it's a, it's a really simple way, you know, with this, this weekend's round, you know, whether it be in the netball on Friday night or, you know, senior footy and junior footy Saturday, Sunday, yeah, what I guess what we're asking um, yeah, every club to do out there is just to you know, reflect, think about you know our message, think about the tragic story of Pat. Um, you know, we we give anything to bring him back, but we know that we can't do that. So the best thing that you know Robin and I can do as Pat's mum and dad is just to honour him. Um, he was a good kid, you know. He wasn't a troublemaker. He wasn't the sort of person who got in, involved in fights. And you know, if, if something like this can happen to someone like Pat, it can absolutely happen to anyone. So you know, this is why I think our message resonates so strongly in our community. But but not just in our community; it's in communities right across um, right across Melbourne, right across Victoria. And you know, our our plans uh, to go national with our message next next year as well. So you know, we've got some big big aims, um, but. You know, there, there's that saying, you know, from from uh, little things, big things grow. And, you know, the message, you know, I think about this, the stone that was sort of dropped in the pond of, you know, the Diamond Valley, the Northern Footy League area, you know, the ripple effect that's going out there, 
you know, I'm really rapt to say, you know, the NFNL has been huge supporters right from the go. But this year, you know, the Pat Cronin Foundation round is extending across into the Essendon District Footy League. They've become a we've become a charity partner with them. And then also going into the regional areas, we're we're also a charity partner of the Bendigo Football League. So so this weekend, you know, not is it not only is it going to be Northern Footy League uh, NFNL teams acknowledging the round. Um, it's going right, you know, spreading across Metro, spreading across country Victoria. And you know, our, our plans are to keep going with that so that, you know, more and more of the grassroots footy leagues, if you like, get behind our, you know, our Be Wise message. You know, let's put an end to the coward punch. And, you know, if they think about a young, long haired footballer called Pat Cronin, <clears throat> you know, they're going to. Um, they'll think twice, hopefully, about their actions and, you know, make the world a better place for all of us. And it's absolutely great to see so many leagues getting involved because this is not just a, a Northern Football Netball League thing. It's 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 everywhere and, and the message is still the same regardless of, of where, you know, leagues are or, or, or what type of organisations they are. It's so great to see so many different football competitions getting involved in all of that and, and we hope that does continue to, to grow bigger and better as the years go on. In terms of other events as well, of course, you've got the Be Wise Ball coming up on, on Saturday, June 25. And I know this has been a, a difficult one to get in the last couple of years with two post moments due, due to COVID. But now that it all looks set to go next month, how exciting is it to plan? And I'm sure you'll have many people attending. But And, and what can our listeners do if they do if they are interested in, in coming and attending? Yeah, well, again, go to our website, jump online, go to the events page and, and you know, click on the links. They can buy a ticket. Uh, it's $175 a ticket, um, but all the money that we raise, you know, just goes towards being able to provide fully funded sessions, you know, whether they be at sporting clubs or schools or community groups around around Victoria. So, you know, it is one of our biggest fundraisers. Uh, as you mentioned, the last couple of years we've had to postpone it, but Melbourne Town Hall... Um, you know, for the, those a little bit older, we've also got the uh, the Shantuzis as our headline act. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to you know, make us dance a night away. Um, great, great night. And, you know, just such a – it's such a good vibe in the room, you know, when we all get together and just have a good time. You know, we don't, you don't have to be stupid about it. Um, we, we can, everyone can have a good time and, you know, just look forward to something positive, you know, after the last couple of years of negativity in the world that we've been living in and being locked down and told what we can and we can't do, to be able to go out and, you know, um, let your hair down for the night, I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. So still tickets available. We're selling them fast at the moment, uh, which is really good. Uh, it's just under, just over six weeks to go. So yeah, I just implore every club out there, you know, get a table together. Um, shout yourselves out to a great night, you know, for a really, really good cause. Yep. And you've also got, I believe, the BYS walk that will be scheduled later on in the year. How have preparations been for that and what are your plans for it this year? Yeah, look, um, yeah, again one of those events that we haven't been able to hold, you know, like we we did for, you know, four years, five years in a row, you know, we've, we've had the, the virtual walk for the last couple of years so we've got that scheduled for Sunday the 20th of November um, we'll go back to our traditional walk from, you know, the Heidelberg footy ground uh, up the Yarra Trail, Plenty River Trail, all the way to the lower plenty footy ground where you know Pat just loved to play footy so it's a you know that's 
I absolutely have to say that that's the highlight of our calendar. You know, to to see those drone shots that we've taken in the past, where you've got you know up to two thousand people gathered on the oval, you know, spelling out the words "be wise," and then just see the the trail of people sort of snaking up through the trees there, you know, around around the Heidelberg Oval, past Banyul, you know, they're, they're all venues that Pat played footy at, and. But again, just so many people gathered with a really positive message. Um, you know, it is what we're trying to bring. We're trying to bring an optimistic voice to, you know, this horrible issue we're dealing with. And when you see people gathered together like that, um, it's just brilliant. Um, so, you know, again, you know, through the NFNL community, keep an eye out for the posts as they come out. You know, follow us on Facebook, Instagram. We'll keep everyone informed about, you know, the movements and, you know, when, when people can register and the like. But, you know, I think, again, getting back together as a, you know, en masse, let's hope that we can absolutely smash through that 2,000 barrier and, you know, head towards three or 4,000 people. It would just be brilliant. Matt, it's been great to have you on the podcast and, and getting in, in, uh, more of an insight into the, the foundation and what our listeners and, and audience and, and everyone in the community can do to, to continue to spread that message, to, to, to donate to the foundation and, and to be a part of the, the Be Wise program as well, which is great. So, Matt, thank you for coming on and, and sharing your story. Good on you, Nicholas. Really appreciate your support and, importantly, you know the support of the whole NFNL community. So thanks, everyone. A big thank you there to Matt Cronin for joining us on the NFNL podcast as we uh, celebrate Pat Cronin Foundation Round this weekend across all our NFNL competitions. But speaking of competitions, let's get to the weekend that went. And joining me as always to discuss what went about is Josh Ward. Josh, thank you for coming on. Always a pleasure. And yeah, very interesting weekend of results all across the board. Well, I've been looking forward to talking about some of these because there's a lot of excitement brewing around all the competitions and just becoming more even each week as well, which is just outstanding from a league point of view. But we'll start with Melbourne Greyhounds Division 1. And I guess... We have another contender for upset of the year, and it's McLeod defeating West Preston Lakeside by 13 points. The Roos, they didn't look anything like it in the last couple of weeks. They had a heavy Good Friday loss to Greensbar and then um, gave Norcott Park their first win of the 2022 campaign, and it seemed that they were shot to pieces almost were the Roos, but they were able to turn it around and, and defeat you know, a West Preston Lakeside side who... We've spoken about in the last couple of weeks. They haven't really been putting sides away. They only defeated the Cougars by 15 points a fortnight ago. They only got up against North Heidelberg by five points last week. Um, so there was always a bit of danger coming into it. Still no armoured side in that forward line. And, and McLeod were able to push through and, and get a very, very impressive win. And, and you know, to, to be up by over four goals at, you know, the 10-minute mark of the last quarter. And, and then not only that... Responding to the Roosters' fight back, they kick three goals in three minutes. All of a sudden, it gets a very becomes a very close game, and and they're able to hold on and produce a fantastic victory. Just an outstanding effort from everybody involved. And I spoke to Craig Hayes post game, and yeah, he was just impressed with how his side went about it. And I wouldn't blame him because, you know, it's tough to get wins in this division as we've seen already in the 2022 campaign. And you know, every win's going to be vital for a side like McLeod who are fighting off the relegation woes and. You know, this could be a confidence-boosting win for him. It's a massive confidence booster, and yeah, when I when I saw this scoreline, I, I was shocked when that result came through. And it's what McLeod needed after yeah a couple of disappointing results. You know, humbled by Greens by Greensboro, and then, as you said, and also giving Northcote Park their first win in not just this year, last year as well. But mm. yeah, it's um, it, this is a massive. It's, it, 
It is massive confidence booster. They fi- Luke Joyce finally hit his straps with three goals. Reed Brandt as well kicked the three goals. That's a, a potent forward line duo. Aiden Tilly as well. He stepped up in Ahmed Saad's shoes when since he's been absent. Uh, he kicked he kicked four go- he kicked four goals off the well, back of five last week. Yeah, so nine, nine goals in two weeks. It's a really impressive couple of performances from him. But yeah, it's um. It's a bit disappointing for West Preston Lakeside. I thought they were going to make Jerry Moore Park Fortress again after we saw them in round one against Bandura. But yeah, the last two games out, out at home, it's it both been disappointing losses. And yeah, I think it might be back to the drawing board. And if they can get Ahmed Saad sometime soon, that will be a massive inclusion. But yeah, it's a di- disappointing loss here for the Roosters. Well, and probably what doesn't help them now is that they face Greensboro this week too, so that's going to be a very intriguing contest of course the 2019 grand final rematch in that one but speaking of Bandura we'll get to their game next and they comfortably defeated Whittlesey by 70 points which I guess was sort of the expectation when you bring back Sam Lloyd David Zarakis and Hamish Shepard from the lineup but also Neville Jetta was able to play his first game for the Bulls can, um, up with the Collingwood VFL side having the bye so he was able to come in and, and already he made an impact he was he was very solid in the Bulls win but they're just going about their business Bandura they, they continue to rack up these wins against lower sides I know they've probably had some struggles in that department in the last couple of years but they seem to be doing pretty well with it so far. They're only lost this year being against West Preston Lakeside in round one. They've they've on a good roll here, and um, Bandura just continue to be a side to watch out for throughout the year. They are, and I could see the the grin on your face when you when you mentioned Neville Jetta <laughs> getting into the side. I know how much you love your pies, and yeah, it was a good win. They need to you know defeat these bottom sides like Whittlesey, Northcote Park comfortably. If you know they are to to stamp their authority and show that they are a premiership contender, but that's now four wins in a row. You know, a couple of impressive ones, one impressive one against Montmorency and, you know, a couple of easy ones and against, well, an impressive one against North Heidelberg in the last two weeks against, oh, you know, sort of strugglers in in Whittlesea and Heidelberg, but this gives them a bit of confidence heading into this, heading into their clash this week against a really good Heidelberg lineup. Absolutely, and I mean, we, we spoke about those guys coming in, but it wasn't just them that did the job. I mentioned those four players. Sam Lloyd, the only one, was in the best, and he kicked two goals. But, you know, you have, have players like John Jorgensen coming in and kicking five, and he's been a great player in that forward line for the Bulls as well. But, you know, Whittlesea... They've had a few a tough few weeks, probably since that Anzac Day loss. They they had the five day break. They've been hit by a bit of illness as well, which hasn't been ideal. They'll be hoping to get Jared Waite back soon, and and I guess hopefully for their sakes, the likes of Blake Watson and Zach Malloy can return to the club, you know, and, and play a few more games for them throughout the 2022 campaign because no doubt that will help the Eagles in their in their fight to avoid relegation throughout this year. Um, and then we'll move over to. Um, one of the greatest fixtures that we have every year in Meadows Grey, uh, Mel- Melbourne Greyhounds Division 1 in Heidelberg and North Heidelberg. And it was a pretty close game throughout majority of the match. But again, the Tigers just showed their class in here. They, they were too strong. They had a, they had a nice 22-point uh, win over North Heidelberg. And 4-1 and one as well now are the Tigers and, and just continuing to make their mark on the competition. And Danny Nolan's side look very impressive so far. They look very impressive indeed. And it was really... That third, that third term where they won the game, you know, they kicked they kicked six goals, one, and only conceded the nine points as well. So that's taking that's taking advantage of the momentum you had. Yeah, North Heidelberg came back late in in the final term, but it wasn't it definitely wasn't good. Um, 
too late for them in the end. But yeah, it's um, a really good win for Heidelberg. Again, it gives them confidence heading into this match. They're four and one, uh, four and one, face or well, face off against a, a really good Bundura side. Josh Minogue is starting to hit his straps, which is da- dangerous for the entire competition. He's kicked seven these last two weeks. There's the three this week, you know, Zane Bars, and he's he's done really well to start uh, to start this season. Start this season, Lockie Wilson. He's getting back into decent Nick Matthew Smith. All their all their best players mm. are starting to perform, and yeah, it, it is really dangerous signs for for the competition that they're getting it. They're hitting their straps, and yeah, they're they're a dangerous side to Heidelberg. Well, they're making their mark, as I said, top of the ladder, clearly on percentage as well. So mm. you know, a, a fantastic start for Heidelberg. They'll definitely be a team to watch out for for throughout the year. Not that we didn't know that already from their preseason campaign. Greensboro, a low-key victory for them. They're also 4-1. and one. They're, they're sitting in second, only behind um, percentage for Heidelberg. Um, but Greensboro, uh, I won't say an easy victory, but like I said, a low-key victory probably over Northcote Park, who, you know, we know the Cougars were going to come in pretty pretty in pretty decent momentum considering the fact that they got that first win for a while, um, which was great. But... Yeah, Greensboro, you know, just too good. We know we know how good they can be. You know, Tom Bell continues to impress for that side. He's just so good at what he does and, and will be absolutely, again, in contention for the Frank Rosbrook medal. But, you know, a 36-point win, you're just going about their business. And, and in a similar vein to Mandura, they're just the games you have to win against the lower sides. Yeah, and a win's a win. It, yeah, Northcote Park will be happy because they put up a fight against, you know, a Greensboro side. They were even in front at halftime as well up by three points but it was that third term where Greensboro piled on six goals to not even a single score for, for Northcote Park that got them the win and it was their, their spread of goal kickers is so lethal at, at the bar you know they had eight individual goal kickers out of ten goal kickers we, we, we witnessed it on Good Friday and it just continued you know I'm assuming it was either Billy Bedford or Nick Riddle who kept um, who kept Alex Boyce scholars as well he's a, he's a very good that is a really impressive effort Northcote mm-hmm. Park only had the two goal kickers as well, so that's not too prom- too promising for them. But they'll still be happy that they put up a fight against a really talented and really strong Greensboro lineup. But yeah, it's um, yeah, they just keep on rolling Greensboro. I thought they'd struggle this year with a couple of their losses, but they just keep showing why they're one of the best teams in the business. And then we look across to the final game of that round it was between Hurstbridge and Montmorency, and well. Again, Hurstbridge seemed to be the type of team that have struggled in the last couple of weeks with their illness as well. Um, after their big Anzac Day win, they, they came off a five-day break, struggled against Bandura, and they were hit by it again. I believe as much as 11 or 12 players had to be changed over due to the health and safety protocols. And, and you know, it was always going to be a difficult match against Montmorency. And I guess the Magpies could have won by a lot more. They kicked 11-18 for the match, and they still ended up winning by 49 points. So, again, they did what they had to do. But, you know, for the Bridges, I mean, they shouldn't take too much out of this defeat. I feel like they're still going to be a much improved side to what they have been in the last couple of years and I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they do go about it but you know the Magpies again they're, they're continuing to, to keep their distance within um, from the bottom of the, the ladder and, and also as well try to, to continue to find a way to keep in touch with the top as well so you know no, no reason why the Magpies can't keep fighting ahead and again 
<laughs> I feel like I'm repeating myself, but again, just got to get these wins against the lower sides. You do, and that's what Montmorency did again. They will be a bit disappointed because it could have been a lot more. You know, they kicked six goals, twelve. They had six goals, twelve at half time. So, Hurstbridge, I think they'll be very, they'll be very relieved that you know they could have lost by more, but they only lost by the forty nine points. And yeah, Montmorency, they're they're hitting their straps as well, and it's um it's a very promising promising side and yeah it's um it's a massive clash this weekend against North Heidelberg and yeah they'll take a lot of they'll take a bit of confidence but you know they might be down after you know they they could have won by more but yeah it's um a win's a win and you you take that so those results will make for some very intriguing games in round six which we'll get to later on in the program, but what we'll do now is we'll head to MC Labor Division 2 and well, the most talked about game in, in that division had to be another battle of the Bears. Geez, they just continue to bring us the fantastic results, don't they? And well, Lower Plenty in Thomastown, they finished 64 apiece to have the first draw across all three senior men's competitions this year and it was one that just continued to go right down to the wild Thomastown another side riddled by illness they've had they had to make a fair few changes at both their seniors and reserves we we know they've already got some injury um, issues as well Daniel Bramage Anthony Capici still not out there yet for Thomastown and coming up against a very rampant lower plenty side who hadn't still lost a game after round one, and I guess they still have it now, but um, they'll be disappointed, Lower Plenty, because they had six more scoring shots, or sorry, five more scoring shots, and they, they couldn't get the win. Although, in saying that, it this seemed like a, a Thomastown sh- probably should have won this game anyway. They, on two separate occasions, were up by 10 points throughout the match, and, and even as late in the fourth quarter, they were at that case, and they just couldn't finish the job. But Michael Tang, superb up forward. He kicks four goals and, you know, continues to get his side through. Benjamin Neshi was outstanding. Lawrence Lapiccolo continues to be brilliant in that midfield and still leading, I believe, the coach's MVP award in that competition. On the flip side for Lower Plenty, Billy Barden keep, kicks two. Tom Keyes also kicks one. And Darcy Barden, again, just superb in that half-back line. He just does so well to contain those dangerous forwards for the opposition. But at the end of the day, they just couldn't be separated and a draw was the result. Um, could be an intriguing result looking at the end of the year in terms of only getting two points for each side. It might decide a couple of top four, top five positions. It could, and... Yeah, this is a remar- this is a remarkable game. Every battle of the Bears, from what I've seen, it's always so remarkable. But yeah, I think it could it could play um it could play a factor later on in the season with this draw and you know it might give it might give one of these two sides a, a bit of a a bit of a an advantage if you know they're pretty much locked on similar wins to top sides like Banyol Banyol and Diamond Creek. But yeah, it's um it's a Thomastown will definitely take this with you know they they still have a talented side but they still didn't have a lot of their good players mm. so it's a re- it, this is this is a win I reckon in Thomastown's eyes it could have been more but you know Lower Plenty would definitely be disappointed because you know they're coming off some really good performances against you know Altham and Banyol who are two sides that mm. were really that were in really good form leading up to their matches and but yeah it's um yeah. Inaccuracy can sometimes kill you, and it killed Lowell Plenty on the day. We were out at Watmore Park but for the match of the day between St. Mary's and Diamond Creek. And in a low-scoring, inaccurate affair, it was still mm. pretty entertaining at some stages throughout that match. And it was a five-point difference heading into the last term in, for Diamond Creek's advantage. The Borough did well to get themselves back in. It, it seemed as though they were kicking themselves out of it. 
just just when they did get the ball in the defensive half, they just seemed to bomb it out of there instead of being a bit more considered with their approach out of defensive 50. Diamond Creek were just taking marks for fun, which we know they're very capable of doing as well. Uh, but by the end of it, it was enough for Diamond Creek to get those two goals to zero in the, in the final term and, and get away with an 18-point victory. It was a test for the bar because... They've had a pretty decent run in terms of fixtures, although be it they've taken advantage of them with a three and one start. But this was a good test of a side in similar ilk. It was third versus fifth coming into this one. And, mm. you know, I guess Diamond Creek prevailed on this occasion. Again, another opportunity where they probably could have won by more. Five goals, 16, you know, makes it difficult when you keep the opposition in there with your inaccurate goal kicking. But to their credit, they did enough and they were able to get the win, you know, it's interesting for Diamond Creek because we know that they've, in 2019, they missed out on finals from Thomastown and now that it's a top five competition, they'll feel they'll have every chance. But, you know, it was an important win for them in the sense that St. Mary's is going to be one of those teams knocking on the door for that fifth spot. And for Diamond Creek to ensure that doesn't happen, these are the games they have to win. And three and two now for the Creekers, they'll be happy with that. Yeah, but St. Mary's will also be happy because, you know, the last time they faced the top side in Banyol, they, they got absolutely thumped out on their home deck too. So this is a much improved performance from them. I, of course, wasn't out there, but it did seem like it was a bit more, a bit of a scrap. You know, I think St. Mary's will also miss, chance, miss chances, particularly particularly in that final term, you know, they they kicked the three behinds when it could have been three goals. And yeah, um, Diamond Creek kicked the two goals and that was seemed like the difference in the end. But yeah, it's, um, it's still a very good win for Diamond Creek. They're starting the season really well and... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's going to be a very interesting matchup potentially next time they face off against each other at, at a Coventry Oval. Um, but yeah, it's a, a really good win there for for the Creekers. It will be interesting when they do face each other again, and I guess interesting more in the sense of where those teams will be at mm. when that time comes. Uh, I want to talk quickly about Watsonia as well. So yeah. you know, an expected win against the Fitzroy Stars, but. They sit three and two now, and on the same points as Diamond Creek, who are in fourth spot at the moment, um, and, and they've had a really decent start to the year. We know about their dominant win over Lower Plenty. Well, not dominant, but I guess incredible win over Lower Plenty in round one. And you know they've, they've had their challenges with a couple of those games, but you know they've won the games they've needed to. This is another example, and you know they're improving each year. You can see it. They've been in Division Two for a few years now, um, and, they're, and they're really starting to, to get used to it now. I, I guess you could say. I mean, you know, and again, a dominant performance against the Fitzroy Stars, eleven more scoring shots, so we're always going to win that game. Um, but you know. I guess the test now comes for the Saints in terms of can they take it to the next level and maybe challenge the St. Mary's and the Diamond Creeks and, and those sides as well because, you know, at the end of the day, it's all well and good staying away from the relegation zone, which they've had to battle through a couple of times. But, you know, they, they would want to make sure that, you know, they continue to build on these efforts because they've been absolutely impressive. Cole Wheatley, for example, has yeah. been superb. He just continues to know where the goals are. And, you know, on the weekend, there was, you know, no hesitation of that. He was just brilliant in front of goals. But, you know, I think Watsonia will have a big test coming up for them against Diamond Creek. And I know it's away from home and I know the Creekers are coming off a nice win themselves. But, you know, put up a good performance in that and, and possibly winning that game. Um, spark some new new life into that Watsonia team and you know they could potentially be playing off the finals yeah I, I think 
It has been building, especially off last year. You know, they they showed glimpses of their promise last year. They finished; it was around seventh. They were the best of you know the rest the rest teams in um, in 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 twenty twenty one. But yeah, they it was good that they kept all their you know young core players because if you keep a young group together, then you then the next year you would expect to improve a bit more and they have and this is a very good start it'll give them a lot of confidence Carl Wheatley he's just he's just in the form of his life I reckon you know six goals this week he's leading the goal kicking with 20 albeit only by only by one now but yeah it's um he's been phenomenal and he's going to play a massive role for the rest of the season and then a couple of other results to finish our review of MC Labor Division 2 Banyol with two good for Panton Hill, winning that one by a comfortable 43 points. As I believe they're in the top two again now, the Bears. So, you know, again, just continuing to get those wins when they can. And, you know, having some personnel coming back into that lineup helped them out as well, the Bears. So expect them to be a very big challenge. And they've got a big game coming up this week as well. This is a massive, massive clash with Eltham. One and two in the competition. The Panthers... They won by 117 points over Altham on the weekend as well. So, oh, sorry, over Epping, I should say. So, Altham defeating Epping on that occasion by 117 points. You know, this is set up to be a really intriguing clash because we saw Altham a couple of weeks ago against Lower Plenty. They, they weren't up to standard at that point, but, you know, they continue to bring in these young guys and they continue to have an impact as well. Daniel Owen, for example, just keeps keeps finding the goals as well. And he's being a dominant force inside four of 54 to Panthers. I mean, albeit he's going to be coming up against a pretty challenging Banyul defence, um, led by the likes of Nicholas Bisconti and Devin McDonald. But it's going to be a really intriguing clash because for Altham to be considered a premiership contender, you've got to beat another premiership contender. And so far for me, Lowell Plenty and Banyul seem to be those top two sides that I feel will play off in the grand final this year. For Altham to be considered in that conversation, these are the games you have to win. I know it's early in the season, but you know, you're not going to get there unless you beat the top sides. And I think this is the perfect opportunity for Altham to come in and show what they're made of. It is, and yeah, they'll take again. They'll take a lot of confidence from their win against Stepping. You know, yeah, it's only against a side that's expected to struggle, but still, it's a really impressive win. That Banyol as well, a really good win against well a much improved Penn Hill side. You know, last year they absolutely trounced them out at a Cracknell Reserve, but this time around they they got a bit close. But you know, it was a dominant first half. I feel that was the difference there. But yeah, it's um a really it, it's. It's going to be a really exciting clash. They're going to... Banyol will make it hard for Eltham and especially Daniel Owen, who, again, he's also in the form of his life, you know. We saw him. He was there on, on in their match against Lower Plenty. I thought he did all right, but wasn't all that great. But he's responded 13 goals in two weeks against, well, two, two sides that they're expected to be better in Watsonia and Epping, but that's still very promising from him. I think I've gotten ahead of myself with them two playing each other as well. They don't actually play each other this week. Eltham play Thomastown, so I got confused with the Bears. Oh. doesn't mean that the Banyu-Eltham game won't be as interesting as we've built yeah. it up to be because I still expect them to maybe be top two by the time they do face off against each other. But Eltham, I guess the point still stands. You know, Thomastown are going to be a side that are going to challenge as well throughout the year. And when they have their full team back, they're seriously going to contend for that premiership. Well, Eltham want to be in that mark as well. These are the games you have to win. So, 
the Panthers, I guess, there the motion still stands. So I'm intrigued to see what they do. And, and Banyul, well, they'll, they'll continue to find ways to win. I've got no doubt about that before they come up against those lower plenties and Althams and Thomas Towns again throughout the 2022 season. So a lot to look forward to in that division. We'll head over to Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 now to take a look at some very interesting results. And I guess I say that purely basing off one result, and that was South Morangan Kilmore. And the Lions looked un. They're unbeatable, yeah. basically, throughout the start of the season, albeit we we questioned whether coming off big wins against Reservoir and Layla was going to be an advantage to them, you know, games that they probably come in, you know, it, the type of games you probably know you're going to win before you even step foot onto the ground. They haven't had a real challenge in, a, in almost a month, and then you come up against a Kilmore side who, you know, have continued to push and push and, and pretty much have that third s- spot sewn up with them before this game and they come in on South Morang's turf and they beat them and that's a that's a great stand uh, great standing um, that's a great great response for Kilmore not only just that but it sends a message to the competition to say not only are South Morang beatable but hey you put us in this conversation too because you know we're, we can contend it is and that's a super impressive win, you know. It, yeah, like you said, it's on their home turf, which is always a hard ground to play at Mill Park Lakes Reserve. And they just go down there, get get the win. It's going to boost their, their confidence big time for for Kilmore for the rest of the season. And yeah, you know, Scott Swindles, he just conti- he's just been remarkable as well so far this season. Three goals against, well, a defence which we expected, which is is one of the best if not the best in the competition and yeah it's a really a really impressive win from them but it was inaccuracy as well I killed South Morang they kicked four goals nine you know mm. if they kicked 10 goals three or 11 or 11 goals two it could have been a whole different story but yeah inaccuracy and I would have thought they'd be a lot more accurate given you know most of their att- they have such great attacking power which can often finish off good chances but yeah it definitely sends a message to the competition and it's um it's a really impressive win for the Blues. Well, I mean, we knew they had the talent anyway. You know, Chris Ryle, Chris Barton, um, Lee Irons as well. They've all been very impressive so far this season. They continue to on this occasion. Bailey Taylor-Egan, well, we know how dominant he's been throughout the competition. He didn't even play against the Lions. And for the Blues to still get that result has been very impressive. Albeit, the Lions did lose a few names as well. Mainly Nathan Stefanol didn't end up playing for the Lions. I think there's a bit of illness going through that as well. And it's interesting to see what clubs do as a result of that as well. Because, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, I guess with the health and safety protocols, it means that multiple players from sides might miss. And, you know, it might be during a week where, you know, they come up against a side equal or better to them and and it might prove to be a tough task. And it'll be interesting to see what teams are able to push through that as well. And and it will test a lot of depth in a lot of squads. And I guess on this occasion, that will be the case as well. Lorimer, they bounced back in a big way. They comfortably defeated Heidelberg West by 56 points. So I guess just expanding that gap a little bit between the top four and the bottom four. Um, and we knew Lorimer had to respond after their one-point loss to Old Eltham, and they did. And mm-hmm. they did it in a way you would expect them to. And, and, it's, and it puts them in good stead now against South Morang this week because, you know, coming off a win like that, the Lions a bit vulnerable getting that first loss of the year. Um, it, it's probably the perfect time for the power to pounce. We know they beat them last year as well. So it'll be interesting to see if they can continue that uh, same effort this year. Yeah, it's a, a really good win 
for the power there. They need they had to respond after that disappointing loss, and they did. You know, it was a tight first half, a very scrappy one at that. They had nine scoring shots to five, and it was still down by one point at at half time. Well, but then they just put pedal to the metal in in the second half and the third term. They kicked five goals and only conceded the they kicked ten goals and only conceded. You know, the the eight points is. It's for North Heidelberg West. It's disappointing, you know. It's they would have come into this game with a bit of confidence, you know. They they'd been disappointing so far this season, um, but yeah, it's well against the top sides. But yeah, it's um, this is a a disappointing loss for them. But yeah, it's um, I think I think Lorimer they'll they'll be looking to definitely pounce on you know Heidelberg on South Morang's loss this coming weekend out. It's out at Mill Park Lakes Reserve, but it, they'll still be looking to to get the win there. It, yeah, it's disappointing for Lorimer. Jackson Cecil got back to his best. You know, he I thought he didn't perform all that well against Old Altham Collegians, and he was a massive difference in the in the Heidelberg West game. Kicked the five goals and was named Lorimer's best. So yeah, he played a massive role. But yeah, it's uh, I think it's back to the drawing board now for the Hawks. And then we had the other two results, and I guess they were pretty expected ones at that. Old Altham, a 100 and I think 195 point win over Laylor away from home. Nicholas Milne kicking 13 goals, incredible feat from him, and he's had a nice start to life in Old Altham Collegians as well. We saw how great he was a couple of weeks ago. We know he can get the goals when he needs to, and when he kicks straight, we know that he's very capable of kicking big baggers like that. Mernda, two in a row now, 134-point winners over Reservoir, and now with back-to-back wins after starting the season 0-3, puts them in good stead as well when they face Heidelberg West this week as well. So a lot to look forward to um, in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. We'll get to those previews a little bit later on, but we'll take a quick break. We've got plenty to talk about right after this. The Meadows Conference and Events Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, the Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. You're listening to the NFNL podcast. We'll take a look now at the results from our three senior women's competitions. And after four rounds of, four rounds of grading, we were able to separate the teams in all three divisions. We have eight in Winning Edge Division 1 women's. We have eight in SG Print and Paper Division 2 women's. And we have six teams in Cleaning Melbourne Division 3 women's. So a lot of intrigue to look forward to. And, and we got a bit of an idea of which teams are going to be up there in each of those competitions throughout the 2022 season. And I'll start with probably the closest game of the round in Winning Edge Division 1. And Darabin won and Montmorency won. Well, the Falcons had to respond after their heavy defeat to Diamond Creek Women's a couple of weeks ago. Uh, sorry, last week. And they did it in, in an interesting style, just getting up over Montmorency won by four points and an incredible effort from the Falcons and, and a great great to see them get their season back on track. They'll, they'll be tough to beat throughout the year and I have no doubt about it. Darabin have always been a dominant side throughout the competition so this one won't be any different but um, we're able to get the win despite having one less scoring shot so very impressive from them. Hallie Munro and Julia Thung just brilliant again for, for the Falcons. They just continue to to have, be in the best and, and Kiara Scuderi as well we should give mention as well for the Magpies she's, she's had a great start to the 2022 season West Preston won uh, they had a big they made it back to back wins and had a big win over Greensboro uh, 24 points was the margin they trailed by 7 points at quarter time but were able to prevail 
thereafter. Tale Pulcino's had a good couple of weeks as well for the Roosters. She's been very solid. So too has Olivia Bandera as well. They kicked two majors each as well. Those two as well as Kiara Fitzgerald for the Roosters. And then the VE Western Spurs, well... They had a big come from behind win last week and they continued that momentum coming into this week. They nice win over Lower Plenty Bandura by 25 points. Stacey Riggan was no doubt the player of the match. Five goals as well. I think she also kicked over 100 goals for the VUS and Spurs as well. So congratulations to her. Um, and Alicia Casley as well. Well, We've seen her do some work with Williamstown VFLW as well. Well, mm. she's, she's continuing that work when she does come and play. For the VUS and Spurs, Molly McCormack also had another great game for Lower Plenty Bundura. She continues to lead the charge there as well. And then the final game in that division, Diamond Creek Women's won. Well, they continue to make their mark on the competition. I mean, 83-point winners over Heidelberg 1. And Heidelberg 1 are a very good side and have shown that already this season. They just they just find ways to, to completely obliterate teams, basically. Linda Thorpe kicked 5. Georgia Tate was probably the best on ground. She kicked three as well. 11 goals to one after quarter time. That's 15 wins in a row now in the women's competition for Diamond Creek women's. And it just doesn't seem like any team can beat them at the moment. We were talking off air. There's a team in the VFLW, Essendon, and, you know, they're pretty much untouchable at the moment. Yeah, they've had the one draw, but, you know, they're just scoring scoring for fun and they're conceding very low scores. Diamond Creek women's one are pretty much the Essendon VFLW side of the Northern Footy, Football Nepal League women's. It's such an unbelievable performance. They didn't even concede a single point after, after halftime. And just to win by that margin against... A really talented Heidelberg one side. It's it's remarkable. I, I'm gonna. Find, it's gonna be hard to see anyone defeating them. You know they're potentially closest contender in Durban. They they defeated them by 42 points, and Montmorency might put it up to them as well. But it's just yeah. they're gonna they're definitely premiership favourites. It's remarkable how strong they are. Across. I mean, we know they've had a, domin- a very impressive women's program over the last few years as well in this competition in particular. But you know, it's yeah, like I said, it's just hard to see anyone beating them right now. And if they do, it'd be a mighty upset the way Diamond Creek women's one are going about it. Emily DeSando has also had a nice start. Might I add for the Tigers as well, and she always continues to be in the best and polling some pretty good MVP votes as well. So it'd be interesting to see who can stand up to the Creekers at some point this year. SG Print and Paper Division 2 women's, well, first game in that one was a Friday night clash between Altham and Montmorency 2, and the Panthers a 5 goal to 0 first term. That pretty much set up that 63-point win. They lost their first two games of the year, Altham. They've now won their last three, and the momentum is really strong over there with the Panthers as well. Jackie White has continues to be dangerous up forward. She kicked four goals, and Angelique Roybelt also continues to be impressive for the Panthers. Diamond Darabin 2 and Diamond Creek Women's 2 played off each other last, uh, last weekend. Their one side's played each other a week ago, and the two sides had a chance to go out at it this time, and it was the Falcons this time that got the chocolates, 23-point winners. Despite trailing by six points at quarter time, Alex Reynolds was some of the better contributors there for the Falcons and another nice win for them. Their first win of the 2022 season, Darabin 2. So an impressive feat for the Falcons and, and a nice little kickstarter for them in Division 2. St. Mary's, they ended their two-game losing streak by defeating Whittlesey by 27 points at the Eagles, uh, at the Whittlesey Showgrounds. They kept the Eagles scoreless after halftime and that's pretty much what won them the game. Another case that they could have won by more as well. Four goals, 11 was their final tally as well. Talia Brander and Jacinda Waring may help the borough get over the line 
on that one. And there was a lot of intrigue coming into this Fitzroy Stars and Banyul battle. These were two sides that pretty much were head-to-head in Division 3 last year. Both were 3-1 and one coming into this game and both given the opportunity to have a first crack at playing each other in Division 2. And it was the Stars that got up by six points in a low-scoring affair, but an entertaining one as well. So a full credit to the Stars. And, you know, that could be a bit of a menace in Division 2 this year. Yeah, they can. And I think they'll take a lot of confidence from this result as well. You know, they lost the last time against Spaniel as well in in Division 3 last year. But yeah, a a really, really good win for the Fitzroy Stars. They're doing remarkably well this season. And it's great to see because, you know, they're they're such a talented talented side filled with, well, stars everywhere. But um, yeah, it's... It's a really good win. A scrappy affair, it seems like. It was a night game out at Beverly Road Oval, but yeah, that that is a, re- a much-needed win. And oh, then, not much-needed, a very good win. It was, absolutely. In cleaning Melbourne Division of three women's, Hurstbridge, well, they were too strong for Lorimer by the end of it. They had a, a nice little win, 78 points, the final margin, keeping the power scoreless the entire match. Melissa Martini, she is just incredible for the bridge as well. Her and Sheridan Bennett are playing very impressive football so far, and they're going to be the ones that lead the Bridges charge to a Division Three Premiership. They're certainly going to be right up there throughout the 2022 campaign, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And yeah, look, against they to not concede a single point against well, Lorimer side, which uh, which were a very promising side. Last year, they looked pretty good in grading, but to do that, it just signals their dominance. I reckon they'll have across cleaning Melbourne Division 3 this year. Yeah, a side like Mernda might take it up to them, but that's a a really good win for for the Bridges on their home deck. It could have been more as well. They kicked 10 goals, 18, but yeah, Melissa Martini as well. She's just such a remarkable player and just continues to show why she's one of the best. West Preston Lakeside 2. Bank their third win of the 2022 campaign. They defeated Heidelberg 2 by 21 points. It was a tight first term, but the Roosters pretty much kicked away after quarter time. Uh, four goals to one to claim that victory. Sophie Moore, Rachel Scully were some of the most impressive there for the Roosters. And Taylor Swan and Emily Wilson, well, they've been standing tall for the Tigers all year in that Heidelberg 2 side, and they continue to on that occasion despite the defeat. And... Mernda, they continue to show their premiership contender status and they were the third best team in Division 3 last year behind the Stars and Banyul. Now that they're both up in Division 2, they're going to sense this is a real opportunity and, you know, it was proven again. They defeated Wallen by 50 points on Sunday. They kept the powers, uh, they kept um, the Magpies rather scoreless until the last term. You know, Natalie Tadaro, brilliant again and, and we'll, we'll speak to their coach Chris Hoisted in a few moments time to talk about the women's program as well but you know, Mernda just continuing to get these wins, continuing to do it in great style and yeah, who knows, they, they could be the one that win their first ever women's premiership Yeah, and it's great to see as well you know, it's a really talented side, they, I, I feel like they just, they're going to be definitely up there because you know three a month to, to, in the women's in the grading and you know to and in yeah in division three I think they'll they'll be really good they'll be a really good side this year and they'll show their stuff as well they've got a chock full of talent you know Awek Dart Natalie Daro just to name a couple off the top of my head and yeah it's um a really good a really good win there. It, it, 
to keep Wallam scoreless as well, yeah, it was, you know, a bit different. They played them earlier on in this in the grading competition and won comfortably there. But to keep them scoreless as well, that's, a, that's for three quarters. That's really impressive from them. And yeah, it's uh, very prom- It's very promising for Mernda. And yeah, it's they got a bit of they got Lorimer this week. They'll be looking to bounce back, and that'll make for a very interesting matchup. Well, their coach Chris Hoisted is about to join us now on the NFL podcast to chat about the Mernda women's program and, and the expectation he has on that side throughout the 2022 season. Now joining us on the NFNL podcast is the senior women's coach of the Mernda Football Club following their 4-1 and start to the 2022 campaign. Chris Hoisted joins us now. Chris, thanks for coming on and giving us a bit of your time. No, no worries. Thanks for having us on, Nichols. As I said off the top, 4-1. and one. It's been a nice start to the year and you're already gaining the edge on some Division Three rivals with the wins you've had so far this season. How do you feel that things have been travelling from your end so far and, and yeah, what have you enjoyed from the first few weeks of the year? Um, well, first, what I've enjoyed mostly is um, we had 10, 10 girls, 10 or 11 girls depart last year. And we've brought um, we've brought a lot of younger younger girls in. We've probably got uh, six under sixteens, um, and just the way they've moulded in with the group and and played, it's um, yeah, it's been really pleasing. Um, as far as having an edge on the on the competition, you never really got an edge. You uh, you sort of can't take much from them grading games. Um, uh, for instance, we, when we played. Uh, um, well, on the first game compared to on Sunday, um, there was 20 points difference. So, you know, they've improved. Um, their pressure was a lot better than it was the first time. So, yeah, it's pretty hard to get a, an edge, but I'm sort of happy with the way the girls are going at the moment anyway. You've got you've had a couple of great individual performances throughout the year. I mean, we know how talented Natalie Tadaro and Awek Dut are. I mean, they were both team of the year last year in, in the Division Three competition. They've been outstanding for your club. But you've also had some some other players that have really you know come about this year. Monica Bradford's been one. Um, Maria Gentle's been really good in front of goals, for example. Julia Cherovolo has also been someone that you know has has come up continually in the best. Apart from, I guess, the stars that you have in Tadara and Dut, how pleasing has it also been to see some of these other girls stand up and, and play fantastic football when they need to? Oh, it's been it's been uh, fantastic for the group. Like someone like Julia has taken the pressure off Nat, um, uh, Nat on the ball and off half back. Um, Amira, she's yes, for a girl as young as what she is, her skills. Is just yeah, it just blows you away. Like uh, I'm not sure whether she's actually turned 15 yet. Oh wow! Um, yeah, she's um, yeah, she's there about. Um, and Monica, this is her second year of football, and hers has been a gradual improvement. But the girls are putting the work in too to to you know um, so they can see the improvement themselves. The amount of work they've actually put in, like. Uh, Monica and Bradford, she's in the gym every morning at about four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, I think Julia's there with her. Um, yeah, so they're, they're doing the work to, to get themselves right. And, um, yeah, that's been pretty very poison, actually. Chris, Josh Ward here. Um you kept it, you kept Wallam scoreless for for the first three terms. I only conceded the two points for the match. That must have really impressed you this, this past weekend as well. Uh, it did. <laughs> I was a bit dirty. They got two points, actually. <laughs> um, no, nah, look, it, it, you couldn't do much about that. But it, it was, it was, um, 
I was pretty happy with the way they went. Um, but in saying that, Wallen, Wallen only had 16, so we actually uh, played with 16 as well. So um, we, we sort of had fresh legs all the time where we're... Uh, oh, I can't think of the coach's name. He said to me, oh, look, they had nine in that morning and the way they fall away pretty quick. But, um, yeah, no, nah, look, it, it was very pleasing in that aspect of it. Um, but, yeah, we've got... Yeah, the harder the competition gets, uh, the harder it's going to be to be able to do that. Division three again this year. I mean, obviously, like like I mentioned off the top, you've already played some division three opponents, I guess. So you've gotten a, a little bit of a feel. But what expectations have you set for your girls this year? And I, I guess I go back to you say that maybe you don't take too much from the grading games. Well, I guess you had one in particular a couple of weeks ago against Heidelberg one, who we know a very dominant division one side. Have you taken a lot out of that game in terms of where you girls are at? And and also, I guess, also, you know, what type of expectations you have for your team based maybe off that performance or or is it expectations you're bringing towards a team that you've already had from the start of the year? Well, it was hard to sort of gauge. Like I said earlier, we, we had to replace 10 or 11 girls from last year. Um, and that Heidelberg game, we actually, you could actually take a bit out of that because they're, they're very clean, very quick. Um, unit very well drilled. Um, the pleasing part with with my girls were as young as what they are. They never dropped their head and they fought it right out to the end. Yeah. Um, and there were some pretty pleasing individual performances. Um, but as I said, we we got to probably more of a gauge where we were at with that game than than what we did with the others. Um, as, as far as expectations go, uh, I, it's just more the group can develop into. A, the unit that they're becoming at the moment and um yeah just just keep improving um it might be an old adage but all we're looking at this week is you know to Lorimer, not looking down the track um and just getting things right game by game for their improvement because like i say there's we've got a young side and there's girls that are either playing their first year of football or their second year of football so um you know to be able to develop them and have and the likes of Nat, Julia, Awek and that to help bring them along. It just makes it so much easier. And yeah, like you said, you faced Lorimer this we- this weekend as well. Are you expecting a bit of a fight from them? Uh, what, sorry? Are you expecting a bit of a fight from Lorimer this weekend after they had a bit of a disappointing loss um, in round one against Tursbridge? Yeah, I, I, um, I, I'm expecting them to come a proven fire, actually. I, um, I'd, I'd want my girls to. Um yeah, it's yeah, they've always sort of been pretty good games with Mernder and uh, and Lorimer, the arch rival, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I've, I'm not expecting an easy game at all. It's, and we've we've got to go in with that adage. If if you go in thinking they're going to be easy, you're going to be in a lot of trouble down the track. So I'm I'm just preparing the girls for yeah a hard fought game, which you know Lorimer and Mernder usually are. You spoke about just before in terms of the development that your side have had and, and the players you've had to bring in, I guess the younger girls that have come in and have really flourished in the system. And I just wanted to get your thoughts, I guess, on, on how much the Mernda women's program has actually grown since getting that seniors team a few years ago. You've got, you know, a few girls teams as well playing under 12s and under 14s. And, and I guess just how pleasing it's been from your end to see the continued development that the, the football club is having on these young girls and, and, yeah, the enjoyable aspects of playing women's football in Mernda. 
Um, yeah, look, it is. It's very pleasing. This is the first year that we've had um, any of the any of the juniors come through. Um, the, the disappointing part is that the the sixteens fell over. That's how we've got. Um, well, we've got four under sixteens from um, last year's sixteens, and we've got two that have come across from um, uh, Craigieburn. One uh, a sister plays there, so. Rather than bring her and a friend across, um, but yeah, that's the 14s and 12s. They're, they're very strong at the moment at, at Mernda. They've got plenty of girls there, which is great. Um, we just need to be able to keep them coming through and and develop them properly. Um, like the club had the had the girls and the, the senior men go and train with the juniors last weekend. Last week, just girls went and took uh, 14s and 12s or what have you, and the, the boys done the same. Um, so look, as far as that goes, the club the clubs want to develop the the juniors to bring them through. Um, uh, I've, I've sort of I got appointed um, in November nineteen, so I sort of took over one training session and uh, and COVID hit. But just even the progression through a few of these juniors that have come through, um, it's been fantastic. There's a couple of them that that well when when the sixteens fell over they. They went elsewhere. There's a few of the, the better players. You don't like seeing them leave, but you know, as long as um, they're going on progressing with their football, it's always a bonus. You know, they started at Mernda. Chris, it's been great to have you on and, and hearing a bit more about the women's football program and, and how your side plans to go about it throughout the year. All the best for the 2022 campaign, and thanks again for coming on to the podcast. No worries. Thanks very much for having me. That was Chris Hoisted there, the senior women's coach of the Mernda Football Club. Now, just before we wrap up this episode, there are heaps of intriguing games to look forward to this weekend in the senior men's competition. We could just about name half the, the games that are occurring this weekend. But, Josh, are there a couple that stand out to you as, as something that you're really looking forward to? Oh, there's plenty. In Division in division 1, there's, there's three. I'll narrow it down to two. The grand final rematch of 2019, Greensboro and West Preston Lakeside at War Memorial Park. We were there last year. That was an absolute ripper of a contest, and I'm expecting no different. And bandura Heidelberg. To, two two sides that are looking to improve this year, and they have, and is a very appetising appetising prospect out there at, at the Bullring Yulong Reserve. Eltham and Thomastown, that's a really interesting clash out at Eltham Central Park as not well. Not Banyul, like I said before, but <laughs> yeah, not Banyul, but still a very intriguing one. Diamond Creek Watsonia is also a really interesting one that I've got my eye on. So a really interesting match there. I, Lorimer and South Morang in Division 3 out at, out at Lorimer. I thought it was at Mill Park, but that's out at Lorimer Reserve. So they'll be confident that they can get the win there, the power. And Heidelberg West Mernda, that's, mm. a, that's a danger game for the Hawks. And Mernda come into this game two comfortable wins, mind you, against struggle, sites expected to struggle this year in Laylaw and Reservoir. Um, but yeah, that, they'll be looking at this as a potential win out at, well, out at Heidelberg Park. But it... It, that is a really interesting matchup out there. But, yeah, there's so many across the board this weekend. Plenty to look forward to. I have to agree with all those games. There's some very exciting ones to keep an eye on. And, of course, to get all the latest news and previews and results for all of our competitions, head to the NFNL website, nfnl.org.au. But that's all we have time for on this edition of the podcast josh thank you for coming on as always always a pleasure and yeah can't wait for this weekend once more i've been your host nicholas sacco and you've been listening to the nfnl podcast